Thursday, January 30th, 2020. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on the beginning of magical training, which we sometimes call Franz Barden for Dummies. We will certainly concede our debt to Barden and to Crowley, but we will point out our improvements in their programs and explain the psychological and physical factors involved in conjuration, the visible appearance, creative visualization, trance states, scrying and channeling, and other skills and techniques the magician needs to master. So if you really want to know how to do it, remember the wisdom of the Sphinx who said, in order for you to learn our teachings, we must first teach you how to learn. And he also said, he who doubts his powers only lends powers to his doubts. <clears throat> this broadcast is intended for our active online students. They have been notified, and they should be listening in. Now, don't worry. No pop quiz on this lecture. So let me begin by explaining why we sometimes refer to our program as Barden for Dummies. Franz Barden knew what sort of training magicians needed to visualize and audio access angels and spirits. But he did not know how to teach these skills. The reason was that he was a natural psychic and a clairvoyant. Visualization and clairaudience came easy for him. And even though he was a good hypnotist, he failed to understand how self-hypnosis was linked to the spirit channeling process. Like his contemporary, Aleister Crowley, he was a victim of spiritualism and theosophy. Both Crowley and Barden believed that magical manifestations and communications were physical phenomena, even though both conceded that such phenomena originated in the mind. You recall that it was Crowley who said, the spirits of the Galatia are portions of the human brain. Of course, he should have said the human mind. But even so, he then proceeded to try to conjure and create goetic spirits in smoke. Barden realized that free-form visions of spirits needed to originate in and from the imagination of the magician. But he was not as well-versed in Raja or Tantric Yoga as he should have been. Crowley was really not that concerned about spirit evocation. Sex magic superseded it as far as he was concerned. The failure of these two great modern masters to provide the proper training and techniques left magical aspirants without hope of success unless they were born with psychic talent or were willing to use dangerous drugs in the process of achieving their goals or get others to do their visionary receiving for them as many non-psychic magicians have done in the past. But the real magician wants to do it himself or herself. And that is where we come in. 
1969, I was bound and determined to find out how to conjure a spirit to visible appearance without drugs using self-hypnosis and yoga. I found the answer in a tantric yoga ritual using the reflection of one's face in a dark mirror. The Troxler distortion effect would produce a vision of the spirit directed by the traditional conjuration. I next discovered that Tradicom Yoga enabled one to communicate with angels in a crystal ball. In both cases, self-hypnosis training was essential to establish the feedback. The feedback loop between the conscious mind of the magician and the subconscious mind which the spirit or angel would answer. To condition students to achieve the magical trance state, we constructed samadhi lamps. And to help them work with the Troxler effect, we developed the zero light. Now, training in self-hypnosis was necessary, but we also needed training in Tratakam, the yoga of the fixed gaze, and creative visualization. These were both aspects of the Raja Yoga system. We integrated these techniques into our own tantric yoga system, creating an extended version of the Golden Dawn's middle pillar that we call Hermetic Yoga. Beginning students are introduced to this yoga as a source of personal magical power. Lesson number one in our program is based on the symbolism and meaning of the Pastaphorus first degree initiation. The exam questions and the exam questions answers are all plug-ins from the text of the lesson. We don't grade you. We only want to make sure that you've read the material. Lesson number two gets into the training process. Here again, the exam answers are right from the text. The real meat of these lessons are the practical exercises, which you must do and report on. Lesson two's exercises are described as follows. First, we have to get rid of the chattering monkey. The European magician Franz Barden recommends a three-step process. Monitor your thoughts by listening to the monkey and asking yourself what is really important about his chatter. And after several daily 10-minute sessions of this inner mental scrutiny, you should try to hold one single thought in your mind. Love is a good choice. For 10 minutes each day. Finally, you should try to think of nothing for 10 minutes each day until you can do so with no thought interrupted. And naturally, you should see Barton's book, Initiation of the Hermetics, if you want to check this out. Uh, to this, I would add the rushing thoughts exercise as a shortcut to forcing a state of calm-mindedness. Here is how it works. You start a rapid monologue stream of consciousness narrative spoken out loud for yourself or for a group. And here's a brief example. We are flying in an open bathtub over the Mississippi River, and there's a steamboat down there below us. And the smoke and sparks are choking us. And the bathtub overturns, and we fall down toward the water, and we land on alligators who are actually being pulled by fast boats like water skiing. And now we are going up over a ski jump and, our, and, our, and on our alligator, and we fall into the water like 
making a belly flop in the pool, just sink down into the quiet, calm depths. Push it four times longer than the above, and you have the idea. After all that rapid-fire visualizing, you don't want to think about anything for at least a full minute. A more advanced exercise for calming the mind is called the sinking pearl. To calm and focus the mind and develop the ability to shift the center of consciousness to other parts of the body, take a comfortable asana position with your back straight, Close your eyes and focus them upward without strain. While maintaining this position and gaze, perform at least four cycles of simple pranayama without hand manipulations on a four-count inhale, four-count hold, and four-count exhale. Four-count hold on the void. With your breathing finished, keep your eyes closed, focused upwards, and while you quietly imagine that your body is growing larger and larger until it's nearly 50 feet tall, your skull is a great dim with hollow vault filled with deep, dark, still water. You, your consciousness point, are in the form of a small pearl floating half-submerged in the water. The water is comfortable, safe, and and protective. Above you are the random thoughts that flit across your mind. You see them in the form of luminous fireflies darting back and forth to no purpose. They buzz and chitter without meaning. You allow yourself to sink just below the surface. Now you can neither hear nor see these distracting thoughts. You are at peace within yourself. You sink down to the level of your throat and then down all the way into your chest. After three minutes, you may resurface, realizing that you are now the master of your mind. These unwanted thoughts that have plagued you for so long are no more bothersome than gnats on a summer day. Now, there are a number of ways to practice Trotikam. Dr. Mishra lists nasal and frontal gaze exercises that, which are uncomfortable and alien to Western practitioners. In the first edition of the Book of Solomon's Magic, we recommended a variation of one of Dr. Mishra's techniques involving a blue light bulb behind a 12-inch diameter round cardboard shield with an 11 uh, by 2-inch by diameter filtered hole in the center. In the center of this, we placed a frosted filter with a one half inch diameter black dot. Now, this configuration is suspended below an overhead ceiling light fixture, replacing the regular frosted glass lens. We call this device a samadhi lamp, and we used a a blue bulb. Now, to use the samadhi lamp, 
do your stretching exercises, take your asana, and do a few minutes pranayama, and then lie flat on your back and yeah, fix your gaze on the illuminated hole with its center black dot for 10, or 15, 10 to 15 minutes. Do not explore the lamp with your eyes. Just look at its glowing center. Try not to think about the optical phenomenon as they occur. Try not to think about the relaxation and numbness coming over you or the hypnotic state you are drifting into. Try not to think of anything at all. The samadhi lamp is certainly effective, but it is somewhat complex to to construct and requires an overhead light fixture, which is not always available. A perfectly suitable alternative is to be found in another Raja Yoga Tratakam exercise involving one-pointed concentration, contemplation of the pearl. All that is required for the practice of this technique is a small 7-millimeter piece-sized artificial white pearl, a a 9.5, 12-inch square black cloth, a kitchen timer, try to find one that ticks quietly, and you can add yoga cushions to the list if you choose to contemplate from an asana. But the seated Chinese or Egyptian physician will work just as well with this method. You might add a Buddhist rosary, a mala, if you wish to keep track of the number of mental distractions during the course of your sessions. The object of this exercise is to achieve and maintain a state of total calm-minded, one-pointed concentration, leading to the magical ability to do by doing nothing. Do by not doing. And we refer you to Carlos Castaneda's Journey to Zatlan, which of all the Don Juan books, this is the best one, Journey to Zatlan. Of course, optical effects will occur. You must ignore them and gently but firmly refocus on the pearl. Your state of consciousness will begin to alter. You must not analyze any objective or subjective effect. Do not allow yourself to be distracted in any way. Do not move. Do not blink. And do not think. Ten minutes each day for a week. At the end of your week's practice with the pearl, you will understand more about this process than I could or should explain to you at the beginning. In such subjective work, it is better for you to learn by personal experience. Along with your Tronicom training, you will be regularly improving your skills in self-hypnosis. The first key to mastering self-hypnosis is physical, mental relaxation. You'll notice I've joined the two words together because they go together. Physical relaxation is best achieved by first stretching the muscles of the body and then compressing them. For stretching, do the classic yoga sun salute. And then for compression, point out and stiffen each leg in turn, curling up your toes. Hold the leg rigid for 10 seconds. 
thrust each arm out straight, make a hard fist, hold it for 10 seconds, and relax. Roll your head in a circle, open your mouth and work your jaw muscles, tighten your muscles in your face. Take several long, deep breaths through your nose, hold the air in your chest at least as long as it took you to inspire it, and then blow it out through your mouth. Now you're ready to hypnotize yourself, or if you have been leading a group in these exercises, you are ready to enter the hypnotic state. Now the texts referred to in this in this article and recommended are, of course, the Book of Solomon's Magic by myself, Carol Pokerunyan, CHS 1996. Self-hypnotism is technique and use in daily living by Leslie M. Lacron, Signet 1970. Fundamentals of Yoga by Ramutri Mishra, the Julian Press, 1959. Initiation into Hermetics, Franz Barden, 2nd edition, Mercure. 1999. Journey to Zotlan, Carlos Castaneda, Pocketbooks, 1974. Now on to Lesson 3, Creative Visualization. Here again, the exam answers are easy plug-ins, and the practical exercises are the meat of the lesson, the preparatory exercises. Before we can start actually visualizing, we have to learn to control our minds and our bodies so that we can maximize the effect. We want to be able to hold these visualizations in a magical trance state and work with them. This means that we need to master basic yoga and self-hypnosis. For these prerequisites, I suggest two classic works, Fundamentals of Yoga by Ramutri Mishra, that's Raja Yoga, and Self-Hypnotism, Its Technique and Its Use in Daily Living by Leslie M. Lacan. Both have been in print in numerous editions for 30 years. In yoga training, you need to concentrate on pranayama, breathing, and the process of pranakam, the yoga of the fixed gaze. The latter prepares you to achieve the magician's steady, unblinking stare so necessary for future visualization work. In self-hypnosis training, you need to concentrate on establishing the out loud dialogue between your own conscious voice and your inner subconscious ear so that at this point, you should review the mental training exercises set forth in Chapter 1. Make certain that you have mastered them before undertaking, or undertaking these advanced visualization exercises. You should be able to sit in an asana for five minutes with a completely calm mind before beginning actual visualization training. In our advanced master ritual, we require 22 repetitions of the mantra, through me flows a river of unlimited love, followed by 22 repetitions of the 6666 pranayama cycle before visualization begins. The first exercises. Franz Barton starts us off in visualization with an exercise popularly known as Kim's Game. 
from Richard Kipling's novel, Kim. It is a visual memory and concentration aid, which is good as far as it goes, especially for detectives, intelligence operatives, and military observers for whom it was developed. But William G. Gray and his magical ritual methods had a concept much more applicable to the magician. Gray starts us off with four basic objects, a knife, a paintbrush, a cup, and a disc, black on one side, white on the other. Besides being a simple version of the grail hallows and the magician's elemental tools, these objects are also creative agents and manifesting surfaces in their own right. Barden wants us to work on visually remembering a collection of non-specific common objects as to position, size, color, etc. Well, this is a good memory training, but it misses an important aspect of the creative process. Our brains, optic sensors, processors, are programmed to filter out what everything except what it considers necessary sensory input. Thus, we only perceive as much of an object as we need to in order to identify it and to use it. But to design and to create it, either as an engineer on his drawing board or a magician in his meditation, you need to do more than just snap a mental picture of it. You need to know the object in every aspect. For example, we're all familiar with pencils. We use them every day. But how many of us know how many sides a pencil has? Do we know how many bands and crimps there are in the eraser sleeve? Do we know what's printed, embossed actually, along the side of the pencil? At this point, we must admit that we really don't know pencils. So how can we expect to create one? The above conception is so important to this process that it cannot be overemphasized. This is why it is important to read Walter Atkinson, called himself Ramacharaka, his little book, Raja Yoga. His is one of the very few works to deal with this vital aspect of the imaginary creative process. So to begin we select the most simple and utilitarian objects to represent our four magical implements. A small paring knife, you can paint the handle yellow if you want to, a small watercolor brush, paint the handle red if you wish, a shot glass or any small glass tumbler, and your five inch diameter white, white and black disc white on one side and black on the other. Along with these items, you will need a small practice stand about 18 inches high, a black cloth, uh, three-inch square minimum, a kitchen timer, a small tape measure, a blackout mask, a blindfold, and if you are in a noisy environment, I suggest a pair of, shoot a pair of shooting muffs. In addition, 
it is nice to have a horsehair cushion of the yoga meditation type to sit on. Fifteen minutes a day, preferably in the morning, should be allocated to this training. How to create. We have our preliminary homework done. We have our basic texts. And we have our equipment, so let's get down to work. I have found that the early morning before the stress of the day sets in and while the store of psychic energy is highest is the best time. After coffee, but before breakfast. Remember to start with a few stretching and limbering up exercises. Then take an asana and do a few minutes pranayama. Put your black cloth over your practice stand. Lay out your first object, the knife, air element. Sword, air dagger, Raphael, East. First, study your knife carefully. Measure it with your tape. Measure the handle, the blade, the width, the thickness, etc. Study the logo if it has one. Learn everything about this object and write it down in your, in your journal. Make a sketch of it with the dimensions. Color it. You will know more about this little knife than anyone except the person who originally designed it. Then... Put the knife on the table, close your eyes, and take it up. Hold it between your hands by your fingertips and see it between your fingers. Now, you folks who think you can't visualize on front screen, that's, that's behind your closed eyelids, will see that you can. This process brings you on front screen automatically. Slowly move the knife around to different sides and angles. Place it on the table. See it lying there. Now open your eyes. Set your timer for five minutes. Close your eyes again. Pick up your object and hold it until the picture is strong. Then replace it on the table and see it there. Hold this visualization for five minutes. Every time it starts to fade or go wonky, pick up the knife again with your eyes closed and reinforce the picture with tactile reference. You have successfully completed this exercise when you can go a full five minutes on the stationary object. By using this method, it is much easier to accomplish than Barden's struggle until you see it. Magic is not easy, so take advantage of every technique that will help you along the way. It's not easy, but it's fun. Now let's do it with the eyes open. Now that we have the eyes closed, front screen, behind the closed eyelids, part of this mastered, to the extent that we can hold each of our practiced objects clearly in view for several minutes. Let's start moving them around, rotating them, and changing their size. Remember that small objects at close range are seen in isometric proportions. Perspective is not a problem until we begin to create environments. In magical ritual methods, Bill Gray provided one of the Clever, cleverest ways to visualize letters in Hebrew. Of course, we prefer the older Phoenician alphabet, much, much simpler than he than Hebrew and easier to inscribe. If you want to have if you want to have magical formulas floating in the air 
in front of you, then then you then you're much better off using Phoenician than Hebrew. When you have reached the stage where you can fully and steadily visualize your tools, fill your cup with brightly colored paint in the color allocated for the letter. And see our magical alphabet. And the colors for the letters are off of Manuta Mundum. Dip your paintbrush, the fire wand, into your little chalice. And then describe the letter on your disc, either on the back or white side, the black or the white side. Be sure to vocalize and vibrate the letter or formula as you visualize it. This combines the dynamic movement of your astral magical tools with the creative visualization of the magical alphabet and links it to the power of your magical voice, which completes the sensory loop to your subconscious mind and quadruples the effect. This is a technique of considerable value and very easy to learn and do. It will give you the ability to pronounce names of power in the full magical sense of the word. And you'll really understand how how important this is when you read Bardner's third book, uh, The Magical Kabbalah. And let me say this about that. Uh, this is what he really means by pronouncing uh, the Tetragrammaton all the way, all the way through the... Uh, all the way through the four worlds, and and uh, and by the way, Barden's Barden's key to the true Kabbalah is actually his German version of the Sefer Raziel. So um, uh, keep that in mind when you when you try translating uh, translating it into Phoenician. After mastering objects. And astral formula creation, you should work on creating god forms, angelic icons. The Tibetans call these anthropomorphic symbolic figures tankas. In OTA, we start with the four archangels of the quarters, Raphael, Mikael, Gabriel, and Oriol. You'll find them in the Book of Solomon's Magic. Yes, the first two are male and the second pair are female. If you want to see our Gabura warrior goddess form Anath, she is pictured in one of our new tarot cards, Conquest, Accessing Da'ath. See the seventh ray, book two, the red ray. Make these forms so real and so plastic that they are ready to come alive. And they will come alive. By the way, our angelic forms are very simple. And the reason for that is, is that when you finally bring them to life they'll be they'll be more complex and more uh and and more more detailed than they are uh than they are in the in the icons that we show you. And um some some of our students have had a problem with that. But in this case, you're much better off with a with a, with a simple form that that will later when it becomes reified, it will become more complex. What you see is what you get. And how do we learn to do all this with our eyes open? 
much easier than you probably thought. First, you'll be doing this in a subdued light on a prepared surface. One magical school used a blue velvet drape for this purpose. But some years ago, I discovered how to make the transition from eyes closed to eyes open, a very easy process. You start by simply opening your eyes behind your blindfold. It's hardly any different than with your eyes closed. Front screen. Once you've gotten this technique to working, then adjust the light as low as necessary and slowly remove the blindfold, extending your focus to the black velvet or, or broadcloth drape. You will quickly discover that there was no great hurdle to overcome. Now let's move on to clear audience. It would be the depth of folly to work for months creating an angelic or mythic god form which would finally appear in full glory and visual splendor but be utterly silent. In the case of our Almadil, invocations and goetic evocations, the entities engender knowings in our minds which speak through our lips in the mediumistic channeling mode. And having perfected these methods of spirit communication, you can fall back on them to provide a voice for your advanced reform visualizations. But why not upgrade your inner plane vocal communication process as well? Harden recommends combining imagined sounds with your imagined pictures. See and hear bells ringing, clocks ticking, birds singing, and so on. Imagine the sound of Om, the names of archangels, the names of power, the tetragrammaton. Get a set of tuning forks, a pitch pipe, and, a, and an electronic synthesizer to attune your psychic centers, your chakras, to the musical scale. Hear those notes in audio memory, then create them. Don't forget smell, touch, and taste. Try eating your favorite meal on the astral. But be careful not to violate your diet. Astral ice cream will not make you fat, but it might erode your willpower, and thus accomplish the same thing indirectly. What you see is what you get. Remember that modern psychology, psychology confirms that what magicians have known for thousands of years. A vivid apparition can be as awe-inspiring or as terrifying to the human mind as any manifestation of what the materialists call reality. Beyond that significant fact lies the deeper and more profound truth of the creative powers inherent in such a process. Now, That that finishes the, uh, the 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 script for this evening's uh, the this evening's lesson. So uh, let me discuss a few things uh, uh, off the cuff here uh, about what we've just uh, we just discussed. Uh, ever since the Occult revival got really got underway in the uh, 
in the late 1970s, and and all we've had uh, uh, we've had a number of people who have who have suggested that they could provide books or they could provide guidance and how to do all these things that I have described without without actually working for them. They they have tried to give the impression that that uh oh, you know, you just just follow the directions in the old grimoires and and, and uh go out in the woods and cut your cut your wand at the right uh, astrological time and all and, and do and conjure everything absolutely and and follow everything in the grimoires and and uh and you'll and you will accomplish you 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 will achieve all of this. Well maybe you will if if you are a true believer in the in the religion uh of uh, the same magician who wrote the Grimoire that you're using. Uh and it was, in fact we had one of these one of these uh these Magi, the these uh the the, the I'm not gonna mention his name, you'll probably know you some of you'll probably realize who I'm talking about. One of them said that you have no business doing this unless you're raised in unless you're raised in the in the Catholic Church. You have to be you have to be raised in the Catholic Church. You know, you have to uh, you, you have to be raised by penguins and have and have your knuckles wrapped by the, by the ruler, and, you know, and and, and uh, you have to be a good Catholic because that 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 fills you with this egregore that you can draw on uh, and, and when you when you recite all these conjurations. And he said, so you just. And he said, if you're not so, if you're not a, if you're not a good Catholic and you want to do this, why don't you become a good Catholic and then you can do it? And that that was his uh, that was uh, was his particular uh, thing. And, and and then he had some other ideas too that you couldn't do this you couldn't do this on a on a wooden or a concrete floor. You had to be in the dirt. You had to have your feet in the dirt uh, in order to do it. Which which you know that, 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 that there's a certain amount of of uh, of um, natural uh, 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 facility in that idea, but but then on the other hand, uh, uh, most magicians uh, drew circles on the floor, and 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 yeah, uh, this fellow did a whole series of books uh, on this this idea that. But that, that, that all you had to do was was uh, was believe in the, in the Roman Catholic uh, uh, version of God and, Mary, and Mother Mary and all that, and and you do it, you could accomplish all it. Then finally, after doing all this, writing all of these books, he finally started writing about his own experiences, and we come to find out that the first time, the first time he actually had a a spiritual manifestation was scrying on the mirror of Solomon and obviously the way he described it obviously taking advantage of the Troxler effect and that uh, and that and he, so he finally admits it and then he turns right around and comes up with all the rest of this stuff uh, about uh, having to be a true believer well and then there was another fellow who also uh, publishes a, a number of books, 
who uh, got our book, Book of Solomon's Magic, which has most of the instructions that I've just read to you tonight in, in there. And he tried, he tried for um, about a year using our uh, using our system to see if he could if he could visualize, and it didn't work for him. Uh, somehow or other, his his mind his mind uh, rejected the Troxner effect, which we which I have since found that some some people some people do some people when the Troxner effect starts to take effect when your face starts to morph into into something else. Uh, there are some people that just deny this. They, 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 the mind won't accept it. And he was one of those people. So he, so he then proceeded to reject the whole, the whole training program, and then just, and then, then he, he proceeded to do what, what many magicians uh, before, before. Uh, before these training methods were were uh, in use, and he went back to to using to using a psychic receiver instead of instead of being able to envision things himself, he had to use uh, he had to use a psychic receiver. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say too much more about it because if I do, then you're gonna know who I'm talking about. And I really don't want. I like the guy, and I really don't want to. Uh, I really don't don't want to want to play him down too much, but but he had to use somebody else, and he would and he would operate, and they would receive. Well, that's yeah, and of course he could have the excuse. Well, a lot of magicians used to do it that way, but uh, I I personally believe you're going to be a magician, you should be able to do it yourself, along with having to be with operating on somebody else. Well, anyway, uh, so. If you're really going to be a magician, if you're really, really going to be a magician, you want to be able to, you want to be able to have these visions yourself. You want to be able to, to, to see and, and hear and, and communicate with these with these entities yourself. You don't want to just depend on someone else uh, doing it for you. Um, anyway, this is uh, you know just. Uh, uh, this about about wraps this this up for tonight. I I want you guys, uh, especially in, in the class, I want you to really really buckle down and, and when you get around to building this little set of uh, tools like uh, like you know like Bill Gray recommends. Oh no, by the way, we should have had magical ritual methods uh, in that little. Uh, Bibliography we gave magical ritual methods by William G. Gray, and and uh, and build these build these little tools. Yeah, get, uh, if you you know uh, some people don't like a shot glass because it indicate it sort of indicates alcohol, but you can get a little candle. You get one of those little glass uh, those little glass things that put a tea light in. That's perfect. It's a little. It's a little. That that's perfect. And then a little paring knife, and your brush, and that disc. And I cannot, I cannot overemphasize the importance of that black and white uh, disc, because that's where you draw your letters, you know, and to where you can put your formulas in. And if you can visualize these formulas, like I'm, I'm looking up right now, and 
and, and, and doing a laugh with Mem and Sheen, and I could see them hanging in the air. And that's the way you, you do these formulas when you do your pentagram ritual and, 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 and when you do your sephagram ritual or in the temple. You, you can visualize these formulas as you recite them. This is, is, is really the, the power of the magician and the power of these formulas. And uh, so, like I said, uh, go ahead and, 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 uh, and uh, if you have any questions, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, you guys that I'm doing this for, if you have any questions, email me. And and uh, and I will you know I'll I'm I'm here for you and and email me and ask me any questions on any of this but but uh, get, get get going on it and when you get to the stage where you need to build your little tools uh, definitely do it and I and like I said this 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 work is fun it's 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 work but it's fun and and uh, and the results are you're going to find are wonderful so uh, that just about wraps it up. And uh, we'll see you next week, and, and we'll be back with uh, with more good information on the Hermetic System. And uh, until then, uh, bless you all, and good magic. <laughs>